Straw Hut Media. One thing that we hear about a lot from guests on this podcast is the struggle to find the balance between being inclusive and being specific. As people who have spent small and large parts of our lives being made to feel unwelcome, we never want to do anything that perpetuates that feeling. But there is a lot of value in the specific. Beyond that desire to belong to something is the desire to belong to that thing. And even though it might feel wrong to say, this space is not for everyone. It might be the only way to do it right. A few years ago, Rocco Kate Yatos decided to create something that he thought was missing from his corner of the LGBTQ community. A place where age, sexual orientation, race, religion, political leanings doesn't matter. But everyone has one vital thing in common. They are all trans men. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. My name is Rocco Kayadis. Um, I have been many things. He was an award-winning teenage slam poet in the 90s, and then he became the first openly trans rapper to put out an LP. Blank faces, listening to Oasis. Hootie, you meet, go with the bro with faces. In 2009, he co-founded a magazine focused on trans male culture called Original Plumbing. Which is a book now celebrating 10 years of making this magazine about trans male culture. Then, three years ago, he co-founded a sleepaway camp called Camp Lost Boys. And then they leave as found men. <laughs> According to their website, Camp Lost Boys is for any guy who self-identifies as a man of trans experience and is over the age of 18. There is nothing that says you need to be out, no requirements to be on hormones. It's a place where gender is assumed. It's just everyone's a man. and. The relief of that was something that I didn't even realize that I needed. Rocco is now 40. He says he started his medical transition back in 2000. And so I have been on T for 20 years. As a young trans man, he says there weren't very many people his age he could identify with. Like, to contextualize the whole thing, the only thing that I had were, like, civil rights activists, a handful of authors, um, and one book uh, called Body Alchemy that was uh, self-portrait, mostly self-portraits and then a few portraits of other men uh, made by an artist in the Bay Area named Lauren Cameron. That book is out of print. I think you can get it though. Um, But it's all these black and white photos of him like holding a gun to his head and crying. And it's this sort of like tragic vision of isolated, lonely, desperate, and sad uh, trans people. But then he's like ripped and handsome and like, so it wasn't like, it it was the only kind of window or lens that I got to see a potential for a future for myself in this way that I had never or could never imagine because I didn't know it existed. Rocco was a teenager when he had his first encounter with trans culture. He was performing slam poetry on a cross-country tour with Sister Spit, a girls-only poetry collective based in San Francisco. After performing at the Michigan Women's Music Festival, they went down the road and performed for a group called Camp Trans, who were protesting their exclusion from the music festival. 
And it was there that I saw a trans man for the first time. And I was horrified. I was just like, what is that? Why couldn't you just be a butch woman? Like I couldn't wrap my head around it. And which is often my process of like rejecting and then having to figure out why I'm rejecting something so um, violently and viscerally. And then unpacking it and realizing it, that it's because I am that. It was the same when I came out as gay when I was 14. My sister had a, her for, first boyfriend and she was like, me and my boyfriend were talking, we think you're gay. And I was like, that's disgusting. And then like six months later, I had a girlfriend. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, gross. Same way. <laughs> that's really funny. Totally. So then after that, I went and on a dial-up connection asking Jeeves like, female to male transsexual and then i became obsessed and um and found like one doctor in the bay area that was kind of trans competent uh i started my trans that's scary it was kind of yeah i mean to be real it's still sort of like that i don't really think that i mean trans care is a bit better but it still is a lot of educating and especially someone in my position where i'm like at this point i want a healthcare professional who's going to be able to be competent with long-term care because the issues that I'm experiencing being on synthetic hormones for most of my life, I have questions and doctors don't have answers. So it's all sort of experimental, but I would rather be in this body, in this life than any other option. Was there an element of you that was, you asked Jeeves, right? Yeah. Like that, yeah. Right there is like, oh, this is... Beta. Right. I'm a beta trans person. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I'm always trying to reboot, though, the system so I understand where, where we are present day. Yeah. I try to stay relevant and connected to it because I don't want to be someone who's, like, angry. I think one of the biggest traps for queer people especially is that we define ourselves, we create language, we... Uh, we define ourselves for ourselves and then we define ourselves for the larger world. And if you don't stay up to date with language or understanding that new identities have sprung up, you're a straight up dinosaur by the time you're like 10 years into your queer experience. Yeah. You know? Even now with how the word queer. Yeah. When I when we use it on like LGBTQ, young people are all about it. Right. Older generations yeah, it, would be it like, was I hate that word. It was Why, a, you a violence to them. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, for, for trans people, I think the word that I used to define myself when I came out was transsexual. And saying that feels like I'm using a slur at this point. But that is how I sort of self-define is that I'm a man of trans experience who, uh, but also I've had a transsexual experience because I like went through the process of medically transitioning to change my sex and even saying that statement people listening to this might be upset you know right which is like i know language is all we have to communicate ourselves but i want to hold on to I'm, maybe i'm a relic in that way but i understand not to call other people a transsexual right and i think that's <laughs> something that has shifted yeah. in the lgbtq community where it's like if you identify that way no mm. one challenges it and says you can't do that because it's a bad thing mm -hmm. or it's a it's a slur yeah do you know what I mean? Like I it, do. it has, it's changed. Like the F word or the D word. Right. If you're like, no, yeah. I'm a fag. Yeah. Then like, all right, you do that. I can't say that word. Right. And I shouldn't say that word, especially as a mostly straight, um, cis presenting trans person. Yeah. yeah. But if someone else is like, that's me. Yeah. Like, Got it. I can't tell you not to use that word. Right. Who am I to tell you not to use that word? Yeah. So do you think your transition would have went smoother had it been? Like, let's pretend you're mm. 20 now. Mm. 
Would your transition today have been easier? I don't know. I think that maybe my music career would have been bigger because I would have had access to different things. Like I was already five years in when MySpace came around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I was good at like marketing myself, but now I'm, now I'm, um, I, I don't care about marketing myself anymore. And I'm doing different things and I feel called to do different things. So I don't know. I feel grateful that I got to be a trailblazer in some ways. I feel grateful that now that I'm doing the work that I'm doing, that's all been informed by um, not having access. And I think that, you know, though culturally we're in the space of uh, really a moment of a big push of visibility, it's not the first moment of visibility. And these things come in waves. And this is just the newest and the most kind of accessible version of visibility because people literally have access to build their own platform and disseminate their curated version of themselves to the larger world of consumers. But I don't, things would have been different, sure, but I don't, um, I don't grieve the loss in a way. And I think that's in part because I feel empowered and I feel like I have agency. So when I see a gap in something like a service or an event or a magazine or anything, I don't feel daunted at the idea of just creating it for myself. Because if I need it and want it, surely someone else needs and wants it too. And even if that's only 20 people, then that's serving those 20 people. While Rocco was publishing Original Plumbing, he and his team would throw parties in San Francisco and New York. And that was the first time I had ever been in a space that was largely made up of trans men and their partners and allies and friends, but trans men were centralized. And after we stopped throwing parties, no other space existed. No other physical gathering space existed. So I stepped away from community work, um, which I think is an important thing to do for people who do community work. If the community feels like uh, hostile or unforgiving um, and you feel like it's taking away from you, I think it's really important to step away, recharge, reassess if you still want to be working in service of that community. And I did. Um, So I stepped away for like three years. And then this camp was kind of the first approach to doing things that were specifically geared towards creating physical space for people. Um, Trans men don't have physical space. They don't have as big a voice or presence or visibility in media. Trans men are kind of um, invisible and subsequently I think that's reflected by suicide rates. Across the board, it seems that trans men are more likely not only to think about suicide, but to try it. Rocco says more than 80% of trans men reported having suicidal thoughts. And in GLAD's 2018 survey, over half of trans men under the age of 18 reported trying to take their own life. All of these things sort of informed my desire to create this space um, for trans men specifically, and for men who have had the specific struggle of walking a transgender path. Because, and not, and it was very intentional to not create it for all trans masculine people, because And it's really crucial to the mission of the camp that we keep it for just trans men because there's a certain level of stress and specificity around the experience of being male and having a transgender path that's different than being transmasculine or like transmasculine non-binary. It's just a different experience. 
we come back, backlash and success. Welcome back. Before the break, we talked about the aspects of Rocco's life that inspired him to create a camp exclusively for trans men. But as you might expect, he did experience a bit of pushback for not accepting non-binary and genderqueer campers. We have something in our FAQ page that says, is this for all trans, masculine, non-binary people? And we very succinctly say no, with a paragraph explaining the value of the space and why it's necessary to keep it specific to people who have a male experience. And that if you don't feel male, then you're going to feel really uncomfortable and this camp will not restore you. It will destroy you in some way because it will like, you'll be triggered all weekend and we don't want that to happen. And there are a couple of other camps that allow transmasculine, non-binary people or centralize that experience that we then refer them to. Rocco says the pushback came during the third camp. Someone wrote something about like, oh, they don't allow transmasculine people in. And then everyone started descending and taking taking turns at pulling it apart. And and then I left it alone. I saw it. I was tempted Ooh, but you to engage. To just be like, delete ban. Yes. And also I wanted to be like, it's so valuable for us to have this space. You know, try to explain. Yes. And then someone else stepped in and said, isn't it radical that these guys are examining their masculinity and that there's a space for them that's safe and comfortable to be able to have a respite and a, re- a, a moment of relief from the stresses and burdens that are specific to trans men. And it was a trans masculine non-binary person who said it. You're like... I, yes, I was like, thank you. This is an, a small angel sent down. And then they descended. And of they course. Went, yeah, they went wild. And I just watched that and thought, there's no pleasing trolls. I think there's a little expectation of like that every everything should be everything for everyone at all times. And when you fall short of that, then someone's like, see, it's not perfect because it's not right for me. And I... Uh, Maybe it's because I'm 40 and I don't give a shit anymore. Rocco says that his experience publishing the magazine actually helped him deal with the criticism he's received with Camp Lost Boys. Especially given the time, we ran from 2009 to 2019, and that early era, there was nothing. So it was the first time that there was a regular published place where trans men could look and see, oh my God, look at all these guys. And it wasn't focused on their transition, they just happened to be trans. And each one, we initially modeled it after that magazine, Butt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like Trans Men Butt Magazine. And then we got a little less salacious and less bedroom pictures and more just like focused on themes. So it's like the board issue. So it's like skateboarders, snowboarders, et cetera. Um, So it was the first time that trans men could see themselves and really see themselves and their lives. And we made sure that we um, had a diverse range of, of bodies and experiences in each issue. And the camp also aims for diversity within its bounds. When they first started, they opened up the camp to 100 men, and 100 men signed up. It was like 45% of it was men of color too, so it was really diverse. It went from age 18 to age 76, so it was diverse across all spectrums. People came from all over. Um, And we've maintained that sort of attendance and that like balance of attendance too, uh, strategically, because we want to make sure that it's like, a place for all men and not just like hard-bodied white Instagram trans guys. 
Rocco says the camp is about examining masculinity and the trans male experience. There is no political agenda, no academic focus. It isn't focused on medical information or care. And that's kind of the only offerings that have ever existed for uh, for trans men, I think, are like the Philly Trans Health Conference or like some academic uh, institute is putting on some like two-day uh, whatever consortium or whatever they're called. But this is just a space for like the everyman. And it really worked out that it's like we can hold the space of having these like radical social justice warrior kids and a 45-year-old mountain guy with a grizzly beard who's like, I voted for Trump. <laughs> and they're like in the space together and it's fine and no one's mad and no one's getting crazy. You know, knock on wood, we have never had a fight. We've never had an issue. But I think in part it's because I say take care of yourself, take care of each other. And then they do, which I'm hoping remains to be true. At first, he thought he was creating the camp for other people. And then it was at the camp that I was like, oh my God, I needed that space more than I could have ever named. I, it, but because it didn't exist before, I couldn't imagine that I needed it. Um, that plus then it's paired with like high ropes course, archery, uh, big pool party, um, tie-dyeing, you know, all that sort of like camp stuff. Uh, so it's this incredibly like this uh, kind of um, dual experience of like engaging in these conversations that literally happen nowhere else. And then, you know, climbing a jungle gym. So it's this nice kind of counterbalance of like, even something like group sports, like I didn't, I haven't played group sports since junior high. And I think like, even in that moment, I was like, uh, a friend was playing volleyball with me and he said, man, this is the first time that I haven't been like thinking about my body while I'm playing a sport. And it was just like, it's just those small kind of moments of like, oh my God, me too. I haven't been thinking about my body. I haven't been thinking about my body, the stress of like, am I being read as this one way? Am I going to be misgendered? Any of these types of things. And that's another like really key important reason that we keep camp for trans men only and not trans masculine folks is because uh, at camp, no matter where someone is at in their physical journey or transition, they're all respected as men. So the most radical thing, or one of the most radical things for me is to get to see these young kind of afraid guys who are like not on hormones, not no like no part of their physical transition has begun, or they're men who opt not to physically transition and they just identify as male and transition socially. Um, and they're all received as men. So what's it like at Camp Lost Boys? Rocco says they make sure everyone knows they're in a safe and secluded place and that no one is pointing cameras at them. So it's a great safe haven for guys who have fallen out of community, guys who are just coming into the community, guys who live really stealth lives, which means that they are not out about their trans status in their regular day-to-day -day life. They're living as men and don't disclose their transness to others. Um, so this might be their only shot at having a moment of community. Rocco personally greets every camper at check-in. I welcome them to camp. And then he says, it's just like a regular camp. We have like dedicated chats and they're fireside chats. So it's never gonna be led by someone in a way that they're talking down or giving a presentation. It's just a focused and held space. The camp is self-governed. There are no counselors. We do a big welcome. The first night is a dinner and then an, a bunch of icebreakers. Um, we do a big group icebreaker so you can see 
how, like, visually, who all is at camp. Over the last few years, Rocco has heard back from campers about how much the experience affected them. One guy was inspired to finally apply to law school and wrote his admissions essay about his experience at camp. And when I pull away and I have these down moments of just doing the busy work and then someone presents me with information about what the camp did to them, then I'm like rooted in what the power of this camp is and the space that that I've had a hand in creating and that all of the people who trust that trust me in a way or trust that we're providing a space that they need um, also have a hand in creating and what is being created in, like the space itself is an entity right so it's like 100 to 150 guys are coming at this next one uh, they're all there they're all these bodies in this room but then the container is this other like living organism that's being shaped by who's there and and how much they respect themselves and each other and we do exit surveys i've had I've had like probably half a dozen experiences now of uh, someone will check in, the hands are shaking, um, they're terrified, they've come alone, they live in some remote small town in a state that's less uh, less cool with trans people. Um, and they say, one guy said, I don't know what I'm going to do if this doesn't give me what I need. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? Just investigating a little. And he said, I just don't. This is the last stop for me. And then he started crying and then I gave him a hug and I started crying and I said, I'm confident that you're going to get what you need. And he hasn't missed a camp since. So he's he's come back three times after that. Um, I know that some of these kids are just like say, rolling pennies to be able to come to every camp because it's this space that's like, man, I'll get too choked up if I think about it, but it doesn't, there's no other physical space for trans men. Now, trans men from around the world come to Camp Lost Boys. At first, Rocco says, it was only men from the U.S. and Canada. But now we've had people come from the U.K. Someone's coming all the way from Australia. The last one, someone came from uh, Sweden, and he took a lift from the airport. And it's always in this like remote part of whatever, like an hour and a half from a big city. And he took a lift and showed up in this way that he was like, I'm Eric and presented himself. And I was like, oh, I don't have to wonder who's from, from Sweden. Here's Eric, you know? And I thought that it was his dad. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. That guy's dad's dropping him off. He's, it was just an Uber driver who dropped him off at the trans camp. It was awesome. I think we're at a turning point though. And I think the camps kind of sprung up in tandem with this turning point of examining masculinity in a different way. And I don't, I hate to say that masculinity is in crisis because masculinity has literally been in crisis since we deci decided to start talking about masculinity. There's always been a crisis of masculinity and there's been different movements of trying to correct that. But I think that right now, because we all have access to and have tools within our hands, you know, the, uh, the appendage of a cell phone is a tool and a megaphone, potentially, um, if you so desire. And I think that that's the biggest difference is that there's a, lar a louder and larger and easier access point amplification process of talking about the problem with men. Um, obviously, there's a problem with men, but I think that the problem is that they're also trapped in the system that all genders are trapped in. And it's the problem is less about fixing or the solution is less about fixing men and it's more about doing away with the patriarchy which we're all trapped in right so i think that 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 system is patriarchal kind of systems are at play in who has 
the position of power? Are they going to highlight a trans, like a beautiful, quote unquote, fabulous trans woman? Or are they just looking at a regular average Joe trans guy? No one cares. You know what I mean? And same with like even who gets to be seen in the LGBT community or the LGB community. Who's seen? It's only pretty people, right? It's part of the machine. We're just like, is that a consumable identity? And even the trans men that do get highlighted, they're usually like cis-normative, um, hard-bodied. But then that's not just being uh, amplified externally. That's also being amplified by who's getting likes and who has a big platform on Instagram or YouTube. More so Instagram. It's just like hard-bodied dudes talking about going to the gym. Rocco says his work with Camp Lost Boys has also helped him understand and heal his own relationship with men and masculinity. Because I didn't, I didn't trust men. I didn't like men. I had a really hard time with men. Um, you know, footnote, we all do, right? And I think I healed my shit around men in a big way that has made me curious of like, well, maybe trans men aren't the only men that need real life space. So he started going to different men's groups, and he says he realized that the isolation he was trying to remedy wasn't exclusive to trans men. He noticed that a lot of cisgender men expressed similar feelings, and he saw a parallel between the high suicide rates among trans men and high suicide rates in cisgender men. Among cisgender people, men are 3.5 times more likely to die by suicide than women. So cis men and trans men are having these same sort of issues of not um, having mental health resources in the same way, a space to speak about that sort of thing. No man knows how to be a quote unquote real man. We are all set up for failure. Now we're living in a space and a time of cancel culture. So there's no failing allowed and we're all feeling like we're failing all the time. So what do we do? That question led him to write his Mindful Masculinity Workbook and start a new project called The Intentional Man Project. Which is largely based in like workshops, the book, uh, virtual cohorts, meetups in LA. And then I'm planning on aiming for uh, creating the same type of summer camp experience for trans and cis men to be together in a space to unpack healthy masculinity and also have access to like kid summer camp stuff. It's been a while since Rocco was in our studio, so we decided to reach out for an update. Since last we spoke, COVID-19 has taken a hold of the world and subsequently sent us inside and no big groups are gathering anymore. So Camp Lost Boys has been postponed for the remainder of 2020. But we have moved all of the chats that were scheduled to be around a fireside to virtual offerings. In addition, I've started a Saturday meetup group for men of trans experience, and I've launched the intentionalmanproject.com, which is offering virtual classes, learnings, meditations, breath work, etc., all for men and masculine people who are interested in taking a deep dive into how to be better and have a healthier relationship to their masculinity. And the Mindful Masculinity Workbook is available for sale, and we'll be doing that in cohorts. The first cohort is May and June, and the next one will be in July and August. So definitely check out the intentionalmanproject.com for more information about virtual events that will be happening in an ongoing way. 
All of those are free for members and membership is really cheap. It's 12 bucks a month or $99 a year. So if you're a dude or a masculine person, you kind of can't afford not to get involved in having a healthier masculinity. You can find Rocco on Instagram at Rocco Catastrophe. That was my rap name. It's R-O-C-C-O-K-A-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-E. So it's Catastrophe with a K. And if you want to dig in the annals, all my music's on Spotify under the name Catastrophe, also with a K. And, oh, one last plug. Uh, The original Plumbing Magazine book came out as a collected work of spanning 10 years of trans male culture. And that's on Feminist Press. And it's just called Original Plumbing, 10 Years of Male Culture. is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. You can follow me at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. Please stay safe, stay healthy, stay home, and listen to podcasts. this one. Ugh. Oh man, you guys are putting me on the spot. If this is bad, you have to cut it out. Definitely. <laughs> okay. It's been a day, maybe a minute, since I was in it. And now I'm trying to find the beat, but I can't. My feet don't move in the same way. I used to be gay, but then, hey, I became a man. And I'm mostly straight. I dated women. And now I'm not swimming in millions of dollars. But I didn't go to college, much to my father's chagrin. But I'm in a summer camp in Angeles Oaks. Oh, I bring so many folks. Many of them want to toke, but it's substance free. And that's okay because we gotta just be here now. Wow. World of wonder. <laughs> I don't mean Why to drag. <laughs> so good. What Fuck about you? This. Wait, I'm on Pride Podcast. And I don't know what line. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Uh, hold on. I'm on Pride podcast outlast many have tried but they can't because i'm denied equal rights but basic nights don't bring basic people anymore we're not equal and i'm just floored that we are in 2020 and i can barely get friendly with my enemy even though i try to see the best in everyone i'm blessed but uh, i don't know man please i was on it for a second uh, but then i lost it I don't even know how to just do try it. It's gonna cat be so hot. You could pick up the beat, you know? <laughs>
fucking can't do it. Wait, Ryan, what about, you do what about Ryan?